Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Gym Class All-Stars, as always, brought to you by the uh, sports betting app, Viget. Use our promo code All-Stars, download the app, bet fake coins, win real prizes, download it today. I'm sure they have something going for March Madness. They love giving away free money, guys. Hop on there, start, start your worry-free gambling. All right, big, big week here in the world of sports. March is always a crazy, crazy time. You have college basketball gearing up for the tournament. You have the NBA rushing towards the playoffs. You have usually spring training going on in baseball. Usually, usually football is relatively quiet these days. Not the case in the NFL this past week. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to all of that. Don't you guys worry. We're going to start, however, where it feels appropriate. It's March, is it not? Let's start with college basketball, the, the, the sport that lives for the month of March. Conference tournaments are well underway at this point. Most of the smaller tournaments have actually concluded by this point, um, including uh, the, the conference tournament or conference championship that saw Gonzaga yet again clinch their automatic bid to the tournament, very likely to be the number one overall seed yet again in the March Madness tournament. So like I said, they, as well as Loyola Chicago, are headlining the teams that have already punched their ticket in to the big dance. Chattanooga won on a buzzer beater. There's already been plenty of madness, even, even not in the championship games. We saw Michigan today blow a 17-point lead to Indiana, lost in their first round, uh, their first matchup. Indiana's now won two games in two days, trying to, trying to make a bid. We saw, so before, before we get too far actually in here, from what you've seen so far, are you, is, does it have you worried that some of the drama is, you know, kind of getting itself out of the way a little early, or is this just the Ides of March gearing up for something crazy? It's not just called the tournament. It's March madness for a reason. We've had buddy Bayheim assaulting another player. <laughs> we had a literal like malice, the palace situation between two schools that I think it was like Bryant and some other school. My, my, one of my older brothers actually went to Bryant for a year. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's probably happy because I think they won. Whatever it was, though, they clear like it's I'll quickly touch upon that game. That game was a blowout. The first half, the team that won shot 60%, the team that lost shot 20%, and they had like it was like 15 to 40. Like it was a ridiculous lopsided affair. And they were in what looked like a high school gymnasium where the fans mm-hmm. are so close to the players, and you know blowouts happening something got said to the opposing team and people started to go in the crowd so much so they had to kick out fans march has started marches in full force basketball is exciting and action-packed and you know what maybe we won't get literal violence cases where people are punching each other or assaulting each other but with march always comes madness and in the tournament yeah we may not have like I said, literal violence, but we're going to have buzzer beaters. We're going to have heartbreak. And this is just getting, you know, dipping our toes into that water and literally getting us so excited for it. And, you know, my excitement is through the roof. And Sunday, when once all these tournaments are done, we're going to have that bracket. And it's going to be just, we're ready for this. We have not had actual March Madness in two years. I mean, 2020 was canceled. Last year, there were no fans allowed. And to be fair, while you're playing in a neutral territories, no fans 
does not make it as exciting. We literally had the two one seeds make it to the finals and played each other. That's pretty straightforward. Anyone could have predicted that. So I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to some upsets, some great storylines going into it, and bad blood everywhere. It's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's gonna be that that that's that's what it really is all about is those those rivalries, those head-to-head matchups that get everybody going. Look, the tournament hasn't even begun yet, and we have already seen something happen that has never happened before. So in the ASUN conference championship game, little school named uh, it's got about 2,400 students named uh, excuse me if I mispronounce it if you go there, Bellarmine. They defeated Jacksonville in the ASUN conference championship. Normally, if you win your conference championship, you get your automatic bid to the, to the tournament. Straightforward, plain and simple. Bellarmine will not be going to the NCAA tournament. They are actually currently still technically a Division II school. They, so the way you can essentially appeal to go from Division II to Division I, you go through about a four-year process of transitioning from D2 to D1. Bellarmine is in year one of that four-year process. So where they are the conference champions and will forever go down as the 2022 conference champions, they do not get that automatic bid. That automatic bid actually goes to Jacksonville State, the regular season conference champions. That is a weird rule that has never come into play until now. So congratulations to the little school Bellarmine for, for winning this championship, going on that crazy run. And also congratulations to Jacksonville State clinching whether or not a well-deserved automatic March Madness bid. So they will, they will be dancing when, when the bracket gets released. Like you mentioned, bracket's coming out on Sunday. It's going to be 6 p.m. Eastern time. We will be doing our Bracketology episode right after to release the next day. We are here for you guys. We're going to give you the rundown of each quadrant and what it's going to look like. But like I said, already, already crazy, crazy uh, mayhem going down here in March, not just madness. We'll have all the, all the M, M word adjectives here to give you, including my, my final point here that I want to get to that, that as an Iowa fan bothered me, but as a college basketball fan, you start to understand it a little bit as you, as you let it, let it be accepted in your mind. Johnny Davis won the big 10 player of the year, the shooting guard from Wisconsin. He beat out of Iowa's Keegan Murray, who I don't think he ended up leading the league, uh, leading the conference, or excuse me, the nation in scoring, but he was a top five scorer for sure, 23, over 23 points per game. I was a terrible team without Keegan Murray. Wisconsin's probably still a decent team with Johnny Davis. That's my biggest argument. However, you can't discredit what Johnny Davis did this season. He had an incredible year in Wisconsin in the nicest way possible to Iowa, even with their sensational win today over Northwestern, is a much worse team than Wisconsin. They're, they're, they're not on Wisconsin's level and. I, I do credit Johnny Davis, but I still think I, I still think Keegan Murray had the better year. But you've had examples of this in the past. I mean, when Garza was good, he didn't win Big Ten Player of the Year. Kofi Cockburn did, and then he wins the Wooden Award. You could go on the flip side, too. I mean, think about the NFL this year. Technically, if you're thinking about it, Aaron Rodgers probably wins the Offensive Player of the Year because he's the MVP, but you don't just – stack the awards really you give it to someone else and you know maybe there's a segue that he wins the wooden award who knows but you know maybe there's hope there it's it's true i mean he in my opinion keep like again i try when considering awards i do try and keep my biases aside as possible and i do think he murray probably should finish second for the national player of the year i think oscar uh, excuse me oscar fish would be of kentucky the center he's gonna win um he's had a dominant year 
but yeah, I, th- I think Murray will get recognized in that sense. I mean, he was a unanimous Big Ten all first team player. He'll be uh, an all, you know, whatever league nation player if they, if they, you know, all McDonald, whatever it is. Um, he'll be on that team. He, he, he is one of, if he is one of the top five best players in basketball. I know what I did. Don't worry. Um, he's not going to get recognized with an award. However, what he could do is something Iowa has struggled with in the last few years. And that might be win multiple conference, you know, or excuse me, multiple tournament games. Um, this is probably the most complete Iowa team I've seen in the last few years. It's obviously for most teams like them going to matter, you know, where they get matched up, who they get matched up with, but the, you know, they're still going to run into some of the pitfalls that they did last year. Bohannon can't guard anybody. They're not the best defensive team, but if, if you watch their game today against Northwestern, they can shoot the lights out. That's what this team can do. And they actually have the most shooters I've seen. They just got Patrick McCaffrey back from injury. You got Keegan Murray, of course. And then Bohannon, we know what he can do. He's, he's fourth all time in the big 10 and three pointers made um, this team. If you give them room to shoot from three will drain you. If they, if they get a team that's maybe not a very good rebounding team or or isn't the best in transition, Iowa could run some teams out of the building, and that's what they did to Northwestern today. One thing, though, McDonald's, like, player, I mean, that's that's high school, and I hope you know that. I'm aware. <laughs> but you've, you've got me thinking, though, like, not sports-related, McDonald's Sprite, it, it, that's the best Sprite from anywhere, right? I mean, like, yeah, but... <laughs> Are give me an argument of a better sprite. I like, <laughs> I the, the I like I don't I don't know if it's definitively better. But so so the only thing I have here is when I my brother he went to school down in Emory, which is in in Atlanta, and they just give you Coke products and Sprite products out the wazoo because Coke basically funds that entire the entire state. Um, and, and, and in the middle of Emory, they have this park that has a really weird shape. And if you ask anybody what it is, it is the shape of a Coke bottle. And so when I was there for my, he, he transferred there as a sophomore. So when he went there, they were handing out these bottles. And I think it was the first time that it was, it was those like silicone bottles or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly what they were, but there were these brand new bottles and someone handed me a Sprite. And I swear to God, for whatever reason, maybe it was because it was so hot down there in Atlanta, maybe because someone just handed a 10 year old kid a free soda, but that was the best damn Sprite I ever had. There you go. Right off the factory floor then. <laughs> exactly i'm sure it got shipped from 20 minutes away <laughs> well march is in full effect sprite will be as crispy as ever in march obviously but we won't know anything until sunday i mean these conference tournaments will finish up we'll have some things to go but it I, i'm so excited for sunday because i figure out what games are up here and i also will then take my work schedule and take the games and where can I fit these in here I don't know if you uh you saw my snapchat story I got the two tv set up going right now for March I've just found out that I can uh have two games going on the same YouTube tv account at the same time so we're gonna have two games going there we'll have one on the computer one on the iPad I have to find it and charge it but we're gonna have all four games going at once we're gonna be watching heavily I'm gonna even I'm gonna gonna teach all the kids I work with to love basketball I'm gonna teach my girlfriend to love basketball it's gonna be great I just appreciate this is the only time anyone ever cares about true TV because Turner Turner broadcasting owns all of the rights to it. So they play it on TNT, TBS, and then true TV. And there's another one too, but yes, no, no one uses true TV other than watching impractical jokers when you're like in a hotel somewhere and like need something to watch for whatever reason. That's how I get sucked into it, and I very much enjoy it. But others around me don't, and I, I that upsets me because it's always a good time. 
I'll never seek it out, but when it's on, I'll watch it. But when it's on, it's, when it's there, you'll, you got to. You have to. No, I completely understand. But like I said, as soon as that bracket gets released, we're going to be here breaking it down for you, breaking the teams that just miss as well and, you know, who may end up in the NIT, whatever, but we'll mostly be here for, for March Madness, of course, the big dance. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Get excited. Ooh. All right. So that's, that's our little bit tit, little tidbit on college basketball here. We're going to have another, another little report here before the two big ones. Baseball, actually something to report for once. Right before I went into work today, got a notification on my phone that the collective, a new collective bar, a bargaining agreement has been agreed upon between the league and the Players Association. All that is left is the formality of literally signing the papers and you know, confirming the said agreement. So baseball is back. That is really what I'm trying to say here. No definitive date on the start of the season. It will be obviously a little bit delayed, seeing that it took till, till now for this agreement to be made. But we are here where it's going to happen probably end of April, early to mid-May maybe. It depends how much spring training, if any, they really want the players to have. It's up to the players really at that point, to be honest. Um, few notable rule changes changes from either last year or a few years past we will be adding a playoff team on each side so six teams will now make the playoffs 12 total that's the first one first major rule change we're going to go back to 2020 COVID rules with this one there will be a universal DH again so no more pitchers batting in the NL only DHs let pitchers focus on pitching batters focus on batting Double header. This one. This one's probably going to hurt pitchers, help batters, maybe potentially. Double headers are going to go back to nine innings apiece. Uh, last year was seven innings in the front in the first game and seven innings in the second game when you had a double header going. It is now going to go back to normal, back to the nine innings apiece. Obviously, it's going to make games last a little longer, but I think I think there were some statistical issues that kind of fed into this one. That that would be my guess at least, just because some are now per seven instead of per nine, but. Whatever that may be, that rule is now changing. And finally, the last big one here, there will no more be a runner on base to, uh, during extra innings to start a half inning. That is being taken away. Obviously, that was made to speed up over time. Players in the league have agreed to rescind that rule change and go back to you got to get on base by yourself if you want to score runs. That one I disagree with. That one was electric. It was so much fun to watch. It went everything went fast. It was like it was like overtime rules in the NHL where it was three on three. And you know what? That's probably electric. Unfortunately, the Sabres stink, so I couldn't tell you if that actually <laughs> happens. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, yeah, I, I what you said at the beginning of the before we started uh, recording here that that should be a regular season rule. I, I agree with that. I think that would be good. I think come postseason, I, I think you have to earn your base runners. I think that's only fair. But for the regular season, that, that could be something to come back to maybe at the end of this year if, if games go long or there's too many overtime, or excuse me, extra innings, whatever. Something to come back to maybe. Yeah, I mean, a runner on second is basically the equivalent of doing the old NFL overtime rule where whoever scores first wins, like – obviously each team gets a chance so it's a little bit different but it it's pretty easy to get someone home especially when you're playing with relief pitchers like against the starter sure but runner in scoring position for a reason I, I did enjoy it because it made things quick and it did speed up everything and made those innings matter and every pitch matter but 
yeah, these rules are good. Excited to have six teams. Maybe the Phillies will actually make it this year. <laughs> and glad to have baseball back. Obviously, it's not number one or two in my favorite professional sports, but it's definitely number three. So, glad to have it back. You're sleeping on curling, but whatever. No, I, I agree. It's good to have baseball back. I, I am pretty outspoken of how boring I think baseball can be, but it is very fun for me in terms of at least the statistics. I love tracking all that stuff, so I'm glad baseball back. I'm a big fantasy baseball player, so hopefully we can get that going again, and that's good stuff. So more sports to talk about is always fun here for the podcast. However, that's all we have right now. They'll basically need to pick up where their offseason left off. We were right in the middle of, of it really heating up with the signings and trainings in the offseason, so likely things will pick up there. We are now going to shift our focus into the world of professional basketball. We talked about college at the beginning of the show. We're going to now talk about the big dogs, the professionals, the NBA. We're going to start with a player who still has yet to play a game this year. You're actually sporting his jersey right now for our our lovely listeners who can't can't see because we don't provide you with a visual output but <laughs> one day one day ben simmons is in the building tonight for sixers versus or excuse me nets versus sixers he will not be activated he will not be playing however he is in the in the gym with the teams um does, did not look like from the videos i was seeing on twitter that he was interacting with many sixers personnel or players uh saw a couple interactions with patty mills glad to know they're getting along uh patty don't don't let him poison you too much but Ben's there. He's clearly getting closer to a return of the court. He's dribbling around a little bit. He's shooting around with the team. Uh, not active yet. I even I don't think even if he was ready, he'd be playing today anyway. This was clearly a big red X on his schedule in terms of what went down this year. Um, but regardless of Ben Simmons, it's a big game for both teams. For the Nets, they're they're at 500 right now. They're eighth in the East. They need they got some work to do in the last month month and a half of the season. And meanwhile, for Philly, they've risen. They're up to three, but it's it's a heated race at the top of that Eastern Conference. You have Miami, you have Milwaukee, who's hot, and then Philly's just a half game behind Milwaukee at three. This is, this is an important game because it's a test, too, because especially in a scenario where either Brooklyn gets hot or Philly moves to two and Brooklyn gets a seven seed, um, this could be a potential first-round playoff matchup. Right, and I, like even so... The Sixers have had Harden for probably two weeks now at this point. There has not been a whole lot in terms of, okay, how good are they actually? I mean, Harden didn't play against the Heats. That's definitely one that would have been a good litmus test. He played the Cavs, and, you know, they won that game. That's a good thing. But you beat teams like the Knicks twice. You beat the Timberwolves once. This is a good game, especially you're playing your old team. There's bad blood. There's a rivalry. You're playing at home. All of these things should be in favor of the Sixers, and they're playing a fully stocked Nets team. Not to say the the Nets are deep by any means, but to win the East, you got to go through some good teams. And while the Nets may be eighth, they're still a good team when healthy. So to me, I'm excited for this game for a plethora of reasons. I am ironically supporting Ben Simmons, and I mean that just because I want to see him get booed. I'm glad he's there for that reason, but I'm excited. I really want to see what this team can do and not, you know, if they lose, okay, so be it. There's still 15 games left, but I let's, let's get an actual test of how good Harden and B can really be. Mm-hmm. Cause you're, you're going up against Kyrie and Durant. That's it's not a test you get every single game. This is a very, very good duo to go up against. And I think the Sixers actually are a more complete team. Is, is DeAndre Jordan active, active yet? 
I'm not sure. Yeah, fun fact for everyone, DeAndre Jordan decided to jump ship on the dumpster fire that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, no, no, no. He got, he got cut them. for DJ Augustine. I, honestly, even worse. <laughs> but anywho, the Sixers have signed him. He is now our backup center, which better than nothing, to be honest. Like, he's not Andre Drummond, but I will take that. My, my and Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, I don't think he's active yet, but I could be dead wrong about that. No, I, it, it, but my, my older brother was telling me with DeAndre Jordan, if he gives you eight playoff minutes while Embiid's on the bench, he did his job. That's that's what you need out of him. Like you said, a good, a good replacement in terms of finding someone to fill the void of, of Andre Drummond. He's like Greg Monroe from a few years ago. <laughs> Greg Monroe this year was more useful than, than a, lot of, a lot of the centers in the NBA. <laughs> uh, I'm saying. <laughs> Shout out to any team who needs a center. Greg Monroe is currently available. But yes, big, big test for both these two teams tonight. Uh, Brooklyn, other than Simmons at full health, Philly might be without a player or two, but they're, they're looking pretty strong at this point as well. We're going to come back to Philly in just a second. I want to go to, there was a big game between the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat this past week, the number one team in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns, and number one team in the West, obviously, and the number one team in the East, the Miami Heat. Uh, both teams without star players. Uh, Jimmy Butler for the Heat missed with a sinus infection, and Chris Paul obviously has been out with that finger issue. Um, however, one meant a little more to the other as Phoenix, after after a competitive first half, blew Miami out of the water in the second half, especially in that third quarter when, when Phoenix erupted. Th- this is a very good sign for them to show because when Chris Paul came to Phoenix last year, they were in desperate need of a playmaking guard that wasn't named Devin Booker, someone that could also make plays for others just as much as himself. And whenever Chris Paul would miss games, they would struggle. Chris, they just went through a stretch of about four games where neither Chris Paul nor Devin Booker played, and they won two of those games. They get Devin Booker back, so no Chris Paul, and then they beat the best team in the Eastern Conference. This is a very good Suns team with, what, I believe an eight-game lead or six game lead, something like that over the next best team in the Western conference, which is the next best record in the NBA, the Memphis Grizzlies. This is a dominant team that not many people are talking about because they lost the NBA finals last year. And because the West has so many superstar names in it, this is not a team to sleep on. This is, this is very, very likely the team to come out of the Western conference right now, just based off how it's going. You're going to get Chris Paul back come playoff time. Most likely. Cam Johnson coming off the night of his life a few nights ago where he hit nine threes, including a game winner. There is basically nothing that team can't do. And they're about to get like the third best point guard in basketball back in a few weeks. I wanted to talk about Miami after this game. Unfortunately, they, they just struggled because they didn't have their, their main guy in Jimmy Butler, but they just got flat out outplayed as well. Straight up. Aiton was better than, I mean, Bam had a good game, but Aiton was out rebounding him. Uh, Crowder is a very, very good veteran presence that also obviously knows that Heat team very well. This, this isn't, this is not just a, you know, like, like we talked about Philly and Brooklyn, that being a potential playoff matchup, this Phoenix Miami matchup could very well be an NBA finals matchup. And without some of those stars, Phoenix is looking like the team right now. That's a little more complete when their, their guys aren't on the court. I, I don't know though. Like, I know you're such a good, like, biased heat fan and maybe i give you a lot of shit for that but the heat have been injured this entire year and you're playing the best team in the league currently there's a reason the suns are 
eight and a half games above the Grizzlies and just absolutely dominating. Chris Paul provides a lot for that team, but that was more last year. This year, I think that team has matured. They've improved. They've had playoff experience. The Heat, I think they're getting there. I think they have a very complete team, but I don't think they've really played together enough. And Victor Oladipo is not going to cut it. Victor Oladipo has returned for anyone who, who didn't know has not played basically in the last two he played what he's now played four total games in a Miami Heat uniform he's been out in between the entire time no games in between those four games and the two and two on each side come back first game 11 and four second game against Phoenix not quite as strong but useful but I think you're right I don't think he's going to make that much of an impact for the Heat however we love that what if possibility no I and that's not me like making fun of Victor Oladipo for that reason. It's just more so Jimmy Butler, you know, you're going to get out of him. The guy is either superstar level or bona fide superstar level. He does a lot for that team. And without him, you know, that's, that's a decent team, but that's like the Miami heat of yesteryear where they're like that seven, eight seed versus when they have him top of the league or you know, even better. Or they, 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 you know, first year with him, they went to the NBA finals. Plain, plain and simple. Mickey Mouse finals. We'll move past that. Let's not asterisk that. Um, but no, you're, you know, that I, I, I'll talk about this more come playoff time, but Jimmy has this, like a lot of superstar players, has this other gear he goes to when the Heat really need to win, especially in playoff time. As far as I know, the Heat do not have another player like that. I assume Tyler Hero is in the process of learning how to do it, but he doesn't get to play the Celtics every playoff series. So, unfortunate. But yeah, the, the the two best teams in each conference squared off. Phoenix came out alive. Phoenix became the first team this year to clinch a spot in the playoffs. They could lose every game now, and they're still going to be just fine. Wouldn't recommend it, though. All right. Real quick, again, going to rehash this MVP talk. We've been just lightly talking about it throughout the course of the year. We're going to obviously build up to a bigger conversation at the end of the season once we have all the facts. Um, four names at this point. That's about it that you can talk about. You got Nick Jokic of the Nuggets, Joel Embiid of the Sixers, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Bucks, and Ja Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies. Our, I think our podcast MVP is Steph Curry, but in the eyes of the league, he has not been doing enough. He's not really being considered a top five MVP candidate anymore. He's also just not shooting his best. He's, he's shooting not career lows, but Steph Curry lows. So people aren't aren't as blown away and then DeMar DeRozan the other name not that he has necessarily cooled down but the Bulls have started to cool down so the league is starting to cool on him so for now unless we have another name we want to bring up specifically we're going to focus on these four names all bias aside who's your MVP right now Joel Embiid yep tell me why he is well one of the big question marks is can he stay healthy he has played, if I'm not mistaken, every game this year, maybe missed one or two, either load management or an injury. But he's playing very well. He's, I don't know, putting him career highs, but he's doing quite well. Even before Harden came, he was keeping the Sixers that four, five, six seed in the East. And the East is probably easier than the West in terms of seeding, but at the same time, like, it's gotten a lot better in recent years. So... With Harden now, I mean, he's not getting double teamed as much. He's even more dominant. He's scoring more points. And the Sixers are number three in the East and within like two and a half games of the top spot. Will they get there? Probably not. But 
if this guy, if Joel Embiid can stay healthy the rest of the year and continue putting up reasonably good numbers, I think MVP all the way. Jokic, it's hard to roll out, roll a guy back to back. Giannis has won it twice, and Ja, I think, is the other one that's interesting because the Grizzlies are playing very well. So I wouldn't count him out. I think that's the only other one I'd really be interested in seeing. But Embiid's been dominant this entire year. Josh is kind of that it he's playing excellent. Like he's probably gonna win most improved player, maybe, or like just something to that degree. Oh, but first. to me, like Embiid's been playing at this high caliber level and would have won it last year if he didn't get hurt. So now let's give him that MVP and with the way Jaws has been playing, you know, give him a year or two and he'll probably win it. Yeah. So so Nick Jokic is probably the betting favorite right now, um, just in terms of the statistical way a lot of people tend to look at these things. Um, to me, he's actually the least qualified MVP of these four candidates. He has done, I don't want to discredit him because he has done something most players could not do, and that is keep that Denver team above the play-in mark. That is, since I think Joel Embiid could also do that. I think Giannis could also do that. I think Ja could also do that. But he has also done it. That's why he's here. That's why he's in this conversation. However, again, he is not the best center in basketball. Joel Embiid is. I, I agree with you. I think Joel Embiid is the current MVP still, but I'm going to talk about the other two. I'm going to talk about Ja and I'm going to talk about Giannis because they, I think, are a little closer to these top two centers than I think everybody wants to admit right now. I think it was Charles Barkley said Ja's is MVP. I think that's a little much right now. But Ja Ja's going to fall into this unfortunate circumstances that there's basically not much more he can do for his own case. Someone like Jokic, the Nuggets could rise in the standings, and that's going to boost his MVP standing. Um, ja, he's not going to catch Phoenix. There's just no shot at it at this point. They could, he's risen as high. They're the two seed. He's playing an MVP level. He was an all-star starter. He's a shoo-in for the first team. He's not, but, but he's not the MVP right now. What else could he possibly do besides scoring 50 points every single night the rest of the year? The nothing. There's nothing. Unfortunately, Jaws just not going to win. He's going to fall just short. He might even finish second. I don't know. Giannis is the name that intrigues me. Last time we checked in, I said Giannis is, is a sneaky choice to win the MVP right now. The Bucks are the hottest team in the NBA right, right now in terms of winning streak, six-game winning streak right now. They're up to two in the Eastern Conference. We're going to get to in just a second. If they pass Miami, if the Bucks have the best record in the Eastern Conference, I don't care what Jokic did. I don't care what Embiid did. I don't care if Ja did put up 50 for the rest of the year. Giannis will be the MVP at that point because this Bucks team is so much worse than last year. They're shooting worse. They're not rebounding as well. They're not the best team in transition anymore. But Giannis is still doing everything. He's still putting up the occasional 40 and 15 night. I understand the league gets MVP fatigue. That's why another reason why I don't think Jokic will win it. It is a reason that favors Embiid and Jaw. But if Giannis can pull this Bucks team up to that one seed, something that has eluded them all season long, I find it very hard not to argue for him because at this point we're getting we're getting to the point where we're going to have to start acknowledging Giannis is the best player in basketball, especially seeing that LeBron's starting to pass up game winning shots. Ooh, that's a that's a that's <laughs> spicy there. I, you know. And I, I agree. And, you know, this argument that I'm about to say can also probably be used against Embiid at this point. But I know the Bucks are not as good as they were last year, especially shooting-wise. But you're still surrounded by guys like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday that 
do a lot and help with that record. To Jokic's credit, and I, you know, we get MVP p- fatigue, and it's hard because Jokic is a great player. I very much enjoy the way he plays because it makes everything look slow, and that's enjoyable for me. The one thing about Jokic is he's been doing this without Michael Porter Jr. for most of the year, and you can say what you want about him, but he's still half decent, at least in terms of an option. He's a max player. Yeah, and then you, you're also missing Jamal Murray. Two very important pieces to Denver. Will you get them back? Potentially. But they're still sixth in the West, and the West is still very competitive. That's my one positive. I still don't think, because of that fatigue, they're going to give it to him. But nonetheless, I'm going to root for Embiid. I will put all my bias into it and also just my mind, because I really do think he's having a great season and is staying healthy, which was always the knock on him for six years at this point. No, there, there, there's a current clause in his contract saying that if he gets the same injury he had in his first two years in the league where he didn't play a single game, he loses his money or a good chunk of his money. Like, like that, that is one of the most impressive things that Joel Embiid has done is get not just this, this level that he's at, but to be able to actually be here and stay here and stay healthy and do it night in and night out, not miss back-to-backs, none of that stuff anymore. Joel Embiid is here to play and to win. That's why I agree. I think he's the MVP right now. All right, we'll bring this conversation back at the end of the regular season to see if if our opinion sways in any way, but we both seem to be in in agreement here that JoJo is the MVP. I want to break down the Eastern Conference now because we've mentioned that it's improved. We've mentioned that it's such a tight, tight-knit race, and, and we've talked about a few teams here, but I really want to break down what we think about some of these teams and, and how far they could potentially go. Um, I have any team in here that is potentially still alive for the play in. I mean, technically everyone is still alive, but I, I'll just throw out Washington and New York are the two teams that are outside of the play in right now that mathematically aren't very far away. I do not expect them to get in. I don't expect either of them, despite the fact that Washington made a big run last year. That was fueled by Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. That has nothing to do with this current Wizards team. They won't be making any spirited run, and the Knicks are the worst basketball team of all time. I will continue to say that until they prove me wrong. He's giving me the thumbs up, guys. I'm good. Not getting canceled yet today. All right. Let's start at the top of the, the, top of the Eastern Conference. I'm going to quickly touch about the Miami Heat as I talk about them a lot. I've, I've mentioned my piece about them mostly. If they're healthy, I think they're going to win the Eastern Conference. They're the, the deepest team in the Eastern Conference uh, bench-wise. Tyler Hero obviously going to be the unanimous sixth man of the year. Bam was just named by, I think, J.J. Redick on national TV at, uh, yesterday. The most versatile the uh, center in the NBA. I find a hard argument against that. Joel Embiid might be a better center, but he's not a more versatile center. Um, again, if Jimmy's on the court, Hero's on the court, Lowry's on the court, Bam's there, Tucker's that fifth guy. If they're healthy, they they can get into a groove. They can defend against anybody. They just beat up on the Sixers. Yeah, they didn't have Harden, but they held Embiid to a very poor shooting night. It's a very good team. Top ten offense. Top five defense. Very scary. Not going to beat y'all down with any more heat talk. You, you talked pretty highly of them earlier, so we can just kind of, you know, they're a good team. We, we, we know what the Heat are about at this point. They're a deep team, too, and that's important because we, we've kind of gotten away from depth when it comes to teams, and they have, like, you do love those players who, like, will fill in every now and again and drop 20. And then they're like on the bench, like they they could put up a million points, like a Gabe Vincent type player. Exactly. But 
I will say that Miami Heat team incredibly deep, and they play. They're very good on offense, but they're also very defensive heavy, and that's going to be important come playoff time. So, yes, sir, it is. So there's Miami, forty-four and twenty-three, currently two games above the number two seed in the Eastern Conference, which, as I just mentioned, is. Giannis Antetokounmpo's Milwaukee Bucks currently sitting at 42 and 25 on a six game winning streak tied for the longest winning streak in the NBA with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I kind of just talked a little bit about them in terms of Giannis's MVP standing there. You know, Drew Holiday is actually having a very good season. Middleton has been up and down, but he's been trending up. He's coming off a 44 point game, big, big game for him and a big step in the right direction. They're obviously missing a guy like Brooke Lopez to be that, that rim protection, to be that, that three-point spacing. Bobby Portis has had a good year, but he's not the same defensive presence. Um, and the guard situation on the bench. George Hill's missed a lot of time. Javon Carter is – and DeAndre Bembry are just the, you know, the, the leftovers that the Nets had from, from the trade deadline. Like, they are not a very deep team. They brought in Serge Ibaka as a good backup center. I think that was an extremely important move, uh, move to make come, come deadline time. But if if a guy like Middleton gets in foul trouble in an important playoff game or or a guy like Giannis, I mean, obviously Giannis, let's exclude him from the finish. Drew Holiday gets hurt. They don't have the depth anymore to keep up. You might get Coddington back by the playoffs. I'm not sure. But after that, there's just not enough there. There's not any real, and I've heard they might work out Tyreek Evans, but there's really not a good guard to bring in at this point. It's really like if they can stay healthy, they should be fine. They, they shouldn't run into too much of a wall because of how good their starters are. But if their starters struggle or get into an injury issue or foul trouble issue, I mean, I mean, our rec team could compete with their subs at this point. <laughs> I like the sound of that. <laughs> but with that, I mean, they still have the playoff experience, that veteran leadership, and, and that people take for granted. I mean, the Sixers a few years ago, this is when, like, Simmons and Embiid were super young. Like, scary team on paper, but they were not ready for that spotlight because they just had no experience. only one with experience was Redick, and it, it did show. So, to me, that's super important. Those guys have been there. They know what it's like, and, you know, they have that track record to back it up. So, wouldn't sleep on them by any means. No, no, God, no. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned how they, they moved into number two and how I, I actually don't think they're going to move from number two for the rest of the season. And if they do, I think they'll go up. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going back down. I mean, they, However, as we move into the number three seed, which is Philadelphia, 40 and 24, just a half game behind Milwaukee for the number two seed. So they could actually jockey back and forth a little bit here. I believe Milwaukee does own the tiebreaker, though, at this point, if I'm not mistaken. I could, I could be wrong. I'm not exactly sure about that. Probably not going to necessarily come into effect anyway. However, Milwaukee's played three more games at this point anyway, so it's, it's irrelevant. Um, Philly's going to have a good shot at this two seed, though, because as I mentioned, the other stars in Milwaukee have had their ups and downs a bit, and it has not taken very much time for Embiid and Harden to, to make a good connection and, and to start playing well together. The, the only person on this roster who hasn't seemed to find their niche since the Harden trade is Tobias Harris, and that's because his niche is going to be on somebody else's team next year. <laughs> this is a very talented Sixers team. They, they very quietly recreated a big four because Tyrese Maxey has been playing his best basketball since James Harden has come over from Brooklyn. I, to, to say they're going to finish ahead, the, ahead of the Bucks in the regular season is tough 
just because the Bucks, to me, are a little more built for the regular season, just because Giannis can just run over people. But come playoff time, he's not really going to be able to do that quite as much. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Sixers team passes Milwaukee by any means. Like, And, and I would pr- honestly – well, two or three is where I want them to stick because I don't want to have to face them as a Heat fan until the conference finals. Mostly just for the spectacle of that, that my f- two favorite teams playing each other in the conference finals for a spot, spot in the championship. You know, that, that, that's got to be the goal right now. You don't, don't worry about getting that number one seed. Don't worry about anything else. Just keep keeping pace with Milwaukee, proving that you're no worse than that team. I do think, and this is all bias aside, obviously, I think the Sixers are going to finish at three. Just because, not to say, I hope Embiid stays healthy, you know, wins that MVP that like we just talked about. But I think Harden is going to take some time. Like last year in the playoffs, he had to play Otherwise, I mean, they would have gotten ran over by the Bucks, and he was dealing with a pretty bad hamstring injury. And, you know, you could tell he wasn't right. And I know for a fact the Sixers want him to be 100%, because with that, you very much do have a fighting chance to win the conference. Embiid is a great player, but he won't do that alone. Unless Tobias Harris becomes James Harden, which time has really not proven to show anything like that. So, who knows? But... I feel three. I like where they're at. I, I think the Bucks are going to kind of sit at two. Unless Butler's out for extended period of time. Like, I think one, two, three are kind of locked in there. You know, maybe the Sixers win a half a game. They may own the tiebreaker because right before the uh, All-Star break, they did beat the Bucks, but it could also be a season split. Who knows? Who knows, indeed. I think you're right, though. I think one, two, and three have kind of found their place at this point. Um Obviously, there are not very many games between those guys, so very easily couldn't start to sway, especially between Milwaukee and Philly for two and three. After that is where I think it's going to shake up a little bit because I haven't even in my head necessarily decided who I think is going to fill the, these spots here. But let's start with number four, a full game behind Philly at 40 and 26. That is the Chicago Bulls. They have been up near one and two all year and are slowly coming down. If you're a fan of this show, you listen to us, I, you understand that I've kind of predicted this over the last few weeks. I just, they're, first of all, they're injured right now. No Lonzo, no Patrick Williams, no Alex Caruso. They've been without Derek, uh, Derek Jones Jr. for large portions of this, this season. They just got Tristan Thompson. You know, it, it's been a lot of moving pieces for them. That, that is part of it. However, it doesn't sound like it's going to get all that much better. It sounds like they'll get Williams back by the playoffs, but who knows how in shape he'll be, how in tune with this, you know, he, he was supposed to be the starter at the beginning of the season. Now he's going to start playing. It's basically a completely different roster. It's hard to see how he's going to fit in. Javante Green has basically taken his spot at the starting power forward. Um, Caruso, I think he's ready for basketball activities, but there's still no word on a return. Same with Lonzo. Even with these guys though, there's still a full step down from those first three teams we talked about. Um, Vucevic has proven very clearly this year that he's not at the level of a, of a Bam Adebayo, of a DeAndre Ayton, that second tier type of center. He's not there. Um, DeRozan and Levine have had to account for essentially all of the offense outside of the little bit Dasunmo has been able to give them recently, but no depth paired with, for the most part, a severe lack of playoff experience. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is a team that's going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. 
I also, however, don't think they're done falling in the standings. I, I think they're going to fall to around five or six. I think they're going to fall to five because in their place, and this is the fifth overall team in the East, is the Celtics. They've been red hot. I think they're going to jump them to five. Is it weird to say, though, like, I think the Celtics, even though they've got, they've looked a million times better, will potentially lose in the first round, though? Like, if it's the Bulls-Celtics, I'm not saying the Bulls are, like, this god-tier team, but something about the Celtics this year just strikes me as they're going to lose in the first round, too. It, 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 it hasn't necessarily hit me as first round. It's just hit me as they're going to lose in both a way they don't expect themselves to lose and end in almost an embarrassing way. Like, like a way that should have felt obvious and to them just wasn't. Like maybe Robert Williams isn't actually a good center or maybe he's not. May, maybe Marcus Smart doesn't really belong on this team. I don't know. Something like that uh, is going to happen. But I think you're right. I think Boston's going to pass Chicago. Um, they're only a half game behind them right now. And like you said, they're, they're probably, they're, they're, in my opinion, the second hottest team in the Eastern Conference. They're on a four-game winning streak right now, just behind Milwaukee in terms of winning streak. That's not all I'm basing it off of. But, but they're having a sensational second half of the season right now. And there's been not really a large sign of them slowing down. But then you get to the playoffs and, yeah, maybe, you know, th- this team actually has a decent amount of experience, but – you're right. There's just something about this team. They, they didn't click early in the year. They're, they're slowly figuring it out, but they're, you know, it's not their depth because they're not a very deep team. It's Tatum might Tatum and Brown might be getting, not even getting enough credit for all they're doing for this team, to be honest. But at the end of the day, all the bulls have to do is get the ball out of those two guys hands. And it's really not that hard from there. And you have, I mean, assuming everyone's healthy, Cruz is an excellent defender not, I mean, you know, a little bit smaller than Tatum, but I think he can guard Brown pretty well. Lonzo's a good defender. I mean, he's a little smaller than Tatum as well. But, I mean, you have Levine, who's a good scorer. I think DeRozan, while his playoff tracker is not great, there's something there too. I, to me, just the Bulls are also a very deep team. The Celtics don't strike me as a deep team. They have better players, you know, overall, but – something about the Celtics and I, I just can't put my finger on it, but like I'm even more convinced now that they're doing well. And that sounds like the stupidest line of reasoning in the world, but what can go wrong will go wrong. And I, it, let's, let's say the Celtics and Bulls play each other. Okay. We have two teams we think are going to lose in the first round. Maybe the Celtics win that. All right. So be it. That means they play Miami. And I think Miami, you know, maybe they take a game from them, but I think they will pummel them into the ground. Yeah, I can see that. I, to be honest, I think the only team that Boston could hang with, and if well, I mean, I think I, I do think they'd beat Chicago. I'll be honest here. I just don't. I like I said, no faith in Chicago here. I don't. I, I could see them at least taking Milwaukee to seven. Just just because Milwaukee can probably guard one of Tatum or Brown. I. Holiday's an excellent defender, but he is much smaller than Jalen Brown. That does come into play at a point, especially in a modern NBA where scoring is so fast and easy. Um, and, and also it's, it's because, you know, they've played, these two teams have played each other in the playoffs the last, you know, a, a couple of times over the last few years. They, they know each other relatively intimately. I think Boston could make it entertaining, but I, I think you're right. I don't think this Boston team has, you know, conference finals written on them in, in any way. 
maybe they win one playoff round, but yeah, you get to Miami or you get to Philly in the second round and you're going home in five days. Let's keep it rolling. I think the Cavs are going to fall five or six as well. I think they're, they're a good team. They're a young team. There's a future if they can keep this core together, but I think they're going to play Philly. I bet you that series goes to six, you know, maybe five, but I, I think the Cavs team is scrappy. I don't see them winning a playoff series, but nonetheless, I, I think that's where they're going to fall. Yeah. If, if somehow, some way they get Boston or Chicago in the first round, I could see them maybe winning that series. But no, th- th- this playoff, making the playoffs for Cleveland is the NBA championship this year. You just want to get your guys some experience. So like, like a, you're dipping your toe in the pool, a foot in the door. You, you just want a little bit for them to kind of understand that, okay, you've now gotten through an entire regular season together. Great job. Now throw everything you've learned out because this is so much worse. This is so much harder. Um, and that's very important for a young core like that who you want to keep together to, to have. You, you play a team like Philly, you win a game or two. That's incredible. That's a great season for a team that hasn't been to the playoffs since LeBron James left. 100%. And I think there's a lot of potential with those young guys if they keep them together. So, you know, any experience is good. This is where it gets a little bit more interesting. I think the Nets are going to be the seventh seed. They're the eighth right now. I think the Raptors will fall to eight. I mean, they're playing much better than expected. And then, for like, I don't care about nine or 10. I think the Hawks will be nine, though, and then the Hornets will be 10. Like, we'll switch places. Anything after that, like, Wizards, Knicks, absolutely not. Hornets, I think, have just been sliding and really haven't been playing all that well since All-Star break. So I can see a world where the Hawks pick past them. Of those of those four play-in teams, the one I'm certain will not win their game is the Charlotte Hornets. They've gotten significantly worse as the year has gone on. You know, signing Isaiah Thomas, that's, that's a big plus. Hopefully they bring him back for the rest of the year, but it's not going to be enough to get them over the hump. They, they needed a backup point guard, but they just, their roster isn't good enough. They're not, you know, collective enough of a group. Lamelo's still a little too raw of a star to be able to lead a team. Um, but again, playing experience is something. It's, it's important to get that, that intense of a game. But yeah, I think Atlanta, even if they end up at 10, which I actually think they will end up at 10, but they're going to beat Charlotte. I'm not conv- concerned about that at all. I am not convinced Brooklyn's going to pass Toronto. Number one, despite the fact that Toronto is an unimpressive roster that doesn't go very deep, they have excellent coaching, an excellent home court to play on, and they do have proven guys. You have a guy like Van Fleet who is cold-blooded. You as a Sixers fan know that aggressively. Hmm? You have a guy like Siakam who maybe has taken a step down since that championship run, but is still a very capable star. You have a young guy like Scotty Barnes who doesn't know how to do anything differently than just run at a hundred percent all of the time. That, that's not a bad thing. You have Gary Trent having a, having a career year. That's not a bad core to build around. They're not going to beat themselves is really what I'm trying to say with that. They're not, they're not going to go on any kind of massive losing streak, meaning Brooklyn has to be the team to heat up, but that requires a few things. Number one health, which is not something they've been able to do. And number two, your star is playing. Ben Simmons has not played a game all season for two different teams. Kyrie Irving is still only playing in about 30% of your basketball games until the rule for him takes place, which still won't be for a couple weeks. We're getting there, but it's not in place yet. Your bench has been consistent. Joe Harris just got ruled out for the rest of the year. It's a young bench. Oh, well, okay. It's a young and or old bench because you have Aldridge and you have Griffin, but then you have guys like Claxon, you have Cam Edwards, you have uh, Kessler Edwards, you have Cam Thomas. 
Um, so so it's, it's either end of that spectrum. It's either really, really old or really, really young. It's just a... In my head, I've been comparing this Brooklyn team to the Miami Heat big three teams because just based off of money, it's kind of built similar. You're paying three guys and everything else you just have to bargain for and work with what you've got. The Heat were able to, you know, bring in, you know, get guys like Chris Anderson and, and Ray Allen to accept lower contracts to be good players and important players on an important team. Brooklyn has said, we're going to pay Patty Mills the rest of the money that we can. And we're going to bring in anyone else who's willing to play for us. A guy who had to retire halfway through last year, um, a power forward who was known for dunking and can no longer dunk the basketball, a bunch of rookies who can just run around and honestly have done pretty well, but are still really young and have no experience. This team to me has no fight in it outside of Kevin Durant. And again, if Kyrie Irving's not going to be on the court in crucial moments, Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons is not a good enough duo to get this team past Toronto. Maybe in an individual game against Toronto, they could beat them to get a seven seed to the overall seven seed in the playoffs. I don't know if that's what you meant, but in terms of finishing the regular season as seven, no chance in my mind. I I don't know. I'm watching them right now. I mean, Brooklyn's beating the Sixers 26-21. There's this game started at 7.30, and there's still three minutes left in the first quarter, by the way. It's heinous. It's just fouls every possession. Like, Joel Embiid has shot 12 free throws already. That's absurd. There's still time in the first quarter. Uh, it, in short, though, I, just I've seen how the Nets are playing, and if they're healthy, and this vaccine rule for Kyrie is going to come into effect very shortly, to me – I think Kevin Durant's not going to let the team falter. And, you know, even the Lakers who were just piss poor last year, even they got the seven seed. Why can't the Nets? That's true. However, we don't want to use the Lakers this year as an example. But we'll get to that next week if we decide to break down the Western Conference. But that, I don't know. I'm just not convinced. I, I, I am convinced of Kevin Durant. That's not something I'm concerned about. But if I'm seeing something like, honestly, with the Lakers, where, where a guy that is so proven in my mind, LeBron James, can't figure it out with this team, it's hard for me to believe that someone who is, at, in my mind, just as good as LeBron can't – you know, that's a slightly better team, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to do it in my head either. It's, it's Now I need to just see it happen. I can't I, – I can't get myself to predict that the Nets are just going to start playing better. That is our breakdown of the Eastern Conference, where it stands right now. Obviously, like we said, about a month, month and a half left of the season still, so plenty can change, but that's our opinions on what's gonna, what it's going to look like come the end of the regular season. We are going to shift focus one last time here. Well, maybe not one last time, but one more time here over into the NFL. Again, like I said at the top of the show, usually not a time for a busy NFL report for us. However, we roll with the punches, and we are here to, to give you the – the wild and wide-ranging news report here for the NFL. So let's start with plain, simple trades. Trades are fun. Trades are easy. Trade, trades are the most exciting part of the off-season sports. Big ones going down and small, mostly big. Let's start with big. Between Denver and Seattle. Denver, we knew their name was coming up in potential Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes over the last two years. Completely putting that to bed. They traded for Russell Wilson and also a fourth-round pick this year, and they gave up to Seattle the ninth overall pick this year, the 40th overall pick this year, another first-round pick next year, 
Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and Iowa tight end Noah Fant. Massive, massive blockbuster trade. Russell Wilson becomes the first player in NFL history to will become first player in NFL history to start a game for a team he beat in the Super Bowl. Broncos, I think, already one of the top two or three teams odds-wise favored to come out of the AFC. A, a, a nuts trade, if you think, in terms of the quarterbacks in that division now. You've got Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and all of a sudden, lowly Derek Carr is now the end of the totem pole. Although I guess Justin Herbert could be considered the end of the totem pole in terms of who went to the playoffs. But... <laughs> Um, stack, you'll then add that into a comp, uh, into the, the conference that already has Lamar Jackson. It already has J- Joe Burrow. It has Josh Allen, a budding star in Mac Jones. It's going to be wild in the AFC. Absolutely nuts. And I'm sitting here with Mason Rudolph at the QB one depth chart right now. <laughs> it, yeah. That AFC West is going to be just insane. And the Broncos did what they had to do. It sounds like they were trying to get Aaron Rodgers. They could not get him, and they went and got by far the next best thing. And it works a lot better. Wilson's thirty three. Their team is very young. Wilson is in very good shape and continues to make sure his body is at peak physical performance. If they can just protect him, I think that team is a very legitimate threat. Their ceiling's probably about twelve wins. They could they'll should make a wild card in theory will they win their division depends on the chiefs do but that's a scary team i mean to be fair like i know they haven't done well the past few years but it's really because you have drew lock and teddy bridgewater at the helm and both those guys as we've kind of seen not not franchise players by any means this added part wasn't necessarily a part of this trade but after the russell wilson uh, trade he was sent to denver Seattle then waived longtime defensive captain Bobby Wagner, basically free Bobby Wagner. That is now he's gone off Seattle. He'll sign with a contending team. We're sure. Um, obviously we'll probably let you know by next week or in two weeks where he decides to go, but he is no longer with them as, as an era has ended where no, no more Russell Wilson or Bobby Wagner in Seattle, complete rebuild coming for them. A lot actually broke off of that trade that affects teams in that division. Real quick, though, you mentioned Rodgers being maybe Denver's top choice. I had actually heard that they were doing this Russell Wilson trade already under the assumption that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be on their team um, because it didn't end up mattering. Aaron Rodgers signed, what, a four-year deal with Green Bay? Yep. Uh, uh, It's going to be a record-breaking money deal. Um, It's apparently going to shift the QB market forever. (laughs) Crazy, though, but Aaron Rodgers, the talks of him leaving over the last few years, clearly just that, just talks. They also decided to franchise tag Devontae Adams for $20 million, despite the fact that there are probably a jillion dollars over the cap limit. Green Bay has kept their two best players, meaning they're going to be a contending team next year. However, are we going to hear Green Bay's name the rest of the offseason? No. Yeah, probably not a whole lot more you can do when just about all of your money is wrapped up in in your quarterback and your receiver. And then your running back gets paid a decent amount too, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, both of them kind of. I mean, A.J. Dillon's probably still on his rookie deal, but they're both – he'll probably be owed a good amount of money shortly. 
it, the franchise tag does work out like financially for them because Devontae Adams would probably get like top receiver money. And I think the franchise tag is the average of the top five highest paid receivers. So probably saves you a little bit in the grand scheme of things, but it's not a long-term play because I'm sure Devontae Adams hates that idea of him not getting more money for what he deserves. So, yeah, so this, for him, this is hopefully just the, uh, you now have another year to figure out how much money you're going to pay me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Stick on the topic of trades for a second until we get through some of these here. Carson Wentz yet again, being dealt for not just draft picks, but conditional draft picks just as well. Uh, he is the first player that the Washington commanders have ever traded for since being named the Washington commanders. Um, so he will guess what he'll get to go to Philly twice a year now. Uh, and, and if he's paid any attention to the Ben Simmons saga, I think he's learned that Philly fans hold a grudge pretty well. It's, I I give Carson Wentz zero wiggle room ever. However, this was not the worst thing Washington could have done because they could have stuck with what they had at quarterback. I love Taylor Heineke to death, but he's worse than Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but he is Carson Wentz at the very least, you know what you're getting. There's a, it's a very clear floor, even though it's not a very high ceiling either. It, it's a good at least one-year solution at quarterback until you can figure out where you're going because that team has so much more to work on than just quarterback. And at the very least, you have a guy that's been in the league for a few years and knows how to conduct himself. And worst case, you're giving Carson Wentz one last chance to be a starter, essentially. Two, you can probably keep Heineke or Kyle Allen on the roster, and you know mm-hmm. if Wentz gets hurt or isn't playing well, then just put him in. Like it, it's really not bad. Like Wentz has not played well in the past few years, but he wasn't. He probably won MVP in 2017. So there's like the potential, and I'm sure teams are trying to harvest that. So you know, to me, like there's a higher ceiling than. Jameis Winston, per se, who they were definitely targeting. So I don't think it'll do a whole lot for them. I think Carson Wentz is kind of stuck where he's at and playing Philly twice a year, not good either. But I don't think that hurts the newly named Washington Commanders in the grand scheme of things. But we love love Carson Wentz being traded for conditional picks, do we not? Oh, absolutely. And best part is – the Colts got a second round pick in return. Yep. <laughs> Good job, Colts. Just all around. Thank you for losing to the Jaguars once again. All right. Keep on moving there. Not not the blockbuster trade that the Russell Wilson was. However, the Bears and the Chargers tried their best at that title. Uh, just before I got on the show here, I wrote down, as I saw on Twitter, that the Bears are trading six-time Pro Bowler Khalil Mack to the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers in desperate need of some linebacker and defensive help. They go ahead and get it. Uh, I don't know if the trade full de- trade details have been released yet, but the main crux obviously being superstar defensive player, Cleo Mack, joining one of the Bosa brothers in LA, hopefully building a big defensive culture for the Chargers because offensively they're fine. They just brought back Mike Williams on a nice lucrative contract. Uh, You have Keenan Allen, obviously. Uh, Herbert's a blossoming young quarterback star. And you have Eckler, of course, your running back. Not not too much to worry about on that end of the field. Maybe maybe make sure your offensive line's stout and you're doing fine. 
defensively, they needed some work and it wasn't just going to be solved in the draft. They went out and they, I, I, I don't think there was anything better they could have done. I, I, who, what better player, what better move could you have made? Uh, Cleo Mack may not be the, the game changer he was that first year in Chicago, but he is still an elite level player, an elite level presence on defense and is, like I said, going to change the culture of that Chargers defense. But kind of like the, to the tune of Carson Wentz, when he is healthy, he is scary. That, that is a big one. Mac did miss a, a handful of games this past season, honestly, over the last couple of years. That is very – especially because the Chargers, they, they run through defensive players like, like it's nothing. So time will tell on how, how well that trade works out and, you know, what the Bears end up getting in return. But I wanted to bring it up specifically because he got traded to the Chargers, another team in the AFC West, making moves to improve. We talked about the AFC North being the most competitive division in football last year. It is no question already the AFC West now for this upcoming season, because not only are all these teams playoff contenders, two or three of them are Super Bowl contenders at this point, especially depending on what other moves Denver is able to make. So very exciting for for fans of that division. For the Bears, God bless your souls. Thanks, thanks for playing. Moving forward, we're, we're going to just kind of go from like, most logical news report to least logical news report. Um, so let's, uh, I don't even know what would be next. I guess it's Amari Cooper. Let's go with Amari Cooper. The Cowboys are going to release Amari Cooper or have released Amari Cooper. I don't know if it's official yet. Um, it's going to save them about $16 million in cap space, a, a team that is millions of dollars away from being financially okay. Um, largely because of the stupid, stupid contract they gave to Ezekiel Elliott. You can ask anybody, and that's that's the reason why that this team doesn't have what they need monetarily to go out and get the pieces to win a Super Bowl. Um, however, Amari has reacted. Uh, he allegedly called Dak Prescott the the white Kirk Cousins, which in my, if if that is in fact a a true quote, is my favorite quote of all time and most accurate quote about Dak Prescott of all time. That dude does nothing helpful but he can sling the ball down the field and he will do it 50 times a game, whether you ask him to or not. (laughs) This Cowboy, it's weird to say the Cowboys don't need Omari Cooper, but losing him doesn't hurt them that terribly much. It's going to allow CeeDee Lamb to blossom into a superstar receiver. It's going to allow guys like Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup to gain more targets. It's going to allow them to bring back the, the Pro Bowl tight end Dalton Schultz, who had a breakout year this past season. I think the Cowboys are starting to realize that they don't have a championship core right now, but, and they're starting to realize why. However, they're still not at the stage where they can really do a whole lot about it. Releasing Amari Cooper is the best thing in that, you know, best step in that direction they can go, but it means releasing, you know, a Pro Bowl receiver, a top caliber receiver in the NFL, who's going to make another team very, very happy. With that, we're going to do a fun new segment that I've concocted that I've been teasing to you before the show started. We're going to play the Kirk Cousins game. I'm going to give you a category, and you're going to tell me who or what is the Kirk Cousins of this category <laughs> and explain why, of course. So we'll start. Who is the Kirk Cousins of the NBA? Who is? Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. You're going to have to give me a second here. There's, there's some good choices here. Who's like I – got, I got to think he's not – it's got to be someone who's not quite an all-star, but – 
but he he convinces just enough people that he could be Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is the Kirk Cousins of the NBA. All right. Who's the Kirk Cousins of the MLB? Oh, you're really testing my knowledge here. <laughs> I don't want to say Bryce Harper. Is that mean? No. I, I think – uh, No, it's not Bryce. Kirk would never win an MVP. You know who's a good one? Francisco Lindor. Ooh, you know, that is actually pretty good. I like that one a lot. Let's go with that. Yeah, Francisco Lindor. What is the Kirk Cousins of condiments? Of condiments? What, probably relish? <laughs> I was going to say something more better than that, like mayonnaise, but I guess, wow. <laughs> relish elite, you heard it here first. And then finally, what is the Kirk Cousins of TV shows? Oh, Seinfeld. <laughs> Ooh, that's going to nah, get people I'm going to get canceled for that. I need to change my answer. <laughs> hmm. See, I, I'd like to say something like Euphoria because the concept of it annoys me, but I've never actually watched a second of that show. So, Just like Viking I'm not football. doing any of this based off of how Kirk Cousins plays, by the way. I'm doing it most about how he makes me feel. <laughs> Oh, you know, I'll just stick happen. with Seinfeld. I don't like Seinfeld, and I think it's overrated, just like Kirk Cousins. There we go, folks. That is our who or what is Kirk Cousins segment. Let us know if you'd like this to continue this, because Kirk Cousins will forever be eight and eights, and so will all these other categories where they're just good enough. We'll all have right, a spinoff segment. Who can finish with it? Who, uh, what has a better record than Kirk Cousins? <laughs> so we'll come things. to that next week. All right, few few last things to touch upon here in the NFL. Uh, so Calvin Ridley, what about halfway, maybe a little more than halfway through the season, stepped away from the league for personal reasons, did not end up playing a single game after that for the rest of the year. He has now been suspended for an entire year due to gambling on games, making parlays. Sometimes that included the Falcons. Um both betting on your team and betting in your own league is a big no-no within professional sports. Um, and Ridley was not just doing it once or twice. He was doing it a lot consistently. We, we truly don't know if that is the reason why he took off time. Um, what I do know, I did see that teams were actually calling the Falcons about trading for him this off season. And the Falcons have simply said, no, we're, we're not taking calls for him right now. And that, that was for Ridley's sake. So he wouldn't have to deal with anything else other than this main issue that he has going on right now. Um, so he's going to stay with the Falcons, but he's going to be away from the NFL for one full season. We'll see what happens after that. Ridley was a, a very young, but blossoming star from Alabama. He basically got the Falcons to move on from Julio Jones. And so obviously they're going to want him back if they're going to be able to. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Maybe he appeals. We don't know, but as of right now, we will not see Calvin Ridley suiting up next season. And checking my notes real quick to make sure we're at this one. This is, uh, this one's supposed to smile on my face and it probably shouldn't, but God, it's so funny. This is the most ludicrous thing I think I've ever had to report on this show. Um, a, a woman is suing Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, her alleged father, because back in the 90s, or, or at, least, at least before the turn of the century, he apparently made her mother sign a non-disclosure agreement about 
being this woman's father and that this woman that this person signing the agreement cannot speak about it the daughter cannot speak about it when she finds out and comes of age the daughter is essentially now suing to get out of that non-disclosure agreement and and all of that nobody in jerry jones's camp has commented yet espn just put out an article about it maybe a few hours ago look Neither of us are the biggest Jerry Jones fan. To me personally, it sounds like this is no question true, but obviously I haven't seen any of the facts yet. It's just hilarious that this concept even came up. Like, I hope this isn't like, I don't want to sound crude or anything because I don't want this to sound like I'm making fun of of the girl or, or anybody in any way other than Jerry Jones. I am making fun of Jerry Jones. It just, it just seems so on brand for this guy, right? Like I'm not wrong here in, in that case. And that's, that's where I'm coming from mostly without a doubt like a lot of these times these lawsuits are like for attention or like there's not credible proof but you know we don't know any of the facts we just heard a headline that jerry jones made someone sign an nda about being their father that sounds well i mean the the mom in this case but that sounds so on brand that like i feel inclined to believe it and you know isn't until proven guilty i guess but this is going to be I feel like this is one that's going to settle outside of court, like kind of not hush money, but like, hey, let's let's settle this and never speak of it again type deal. Yeah, more of a just like, let's not tarnish my name. I'll pay you more than more than you want, just so you never, never talk about this again. Basically making another non-disclosure agreement. Exactly. <laughs> Look at that, guys. That's how the world works sometimes. Hopefully not all the time. However, that is all of the time that we have here on the show today. We hope you enjoyed uh, all of the questions, all of the topics, and all of the ludicrous statements that we make, as always. Um, we will be back earlier than normal next week. As like we said, on Sunday, we will record our Bracketology episode to break down the field of 68 and get you guys ready to fill out your brackets and hopefully win some money. So until then, we hope you enjoy this episode greatly as, as we won't touch on anything but college basketball on Sunday. So this will be your fill for the NFL, for baseball, for, for the NBA for that full week. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you have a fantastic week. For anyone on spring break, enjoy. If you're going on vacation, have a great time. If not, I'm enjoying the Iowa snow just as much. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Take care, everyone.